0: Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host Scott Belanger, aka Jacks Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode, I think, 22. Again, who's keeping track? Who really cares? But let's roll. And what a, what a week to what a week to be uh, back on the airwaves. I missed y'all last week. Um, you know, the, Mr. Game Theory was very very busy this last week. So I apologize. You know, I had a really great guest, uh, lined up last week and we'll try and, uh, we'll try and circle back and get him on, uh, going forward. But, you know, I got a great guest this week too. And it's really the perfect time to have my, my guest on this week because, uh, you know, literally we're recording today and, you know, the senior bowl is happening and, uh, you know, my, my guest is literally, you know, got a, got a press pass to the, to the senior bowl. He's watching every clip, every, every, um, uh, you know, every workout, every interview, he's all over it. So we're gonna we're gonna tap into the, the to the brain of 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 Kane Fossil, who's on with me today. You can you can find Kane on on Twitter at Debbie Kane. Uh, you know, uh as you guys know, I don't listen or excuse me, I don't watch too much college football, but this dude's in. So he's gonna make me look uh stupid by being really smart near me. It's uh, that proximity uh you know theory. But uh without further ado and without me rambling too much further. I'm going to bring Kane Fossil in. Kane, what is going on, brother?
1: Hey, man, it, this is a busy time right now. Um, when you sent the message to get on, I was watching wide receiver one on ones against defensive backs at the Senior Bowl. So I'm, I'm almost done with the all the wide receiver drills. And then we're moving on to running backs before I before I go to bed. So it's going to be a late night for me because I have to make sure that I get through all this film. Because the great part is, then tomorrow we could, we're doing this all all over again, right? We're going to have a whole new set of film, and you know this stuff's going to be they're going to be practicing earlier and all this stuff. So man, it's a really really exciting time of year to see kind of guys that um, might not have been hyped a whole lot during the season really get their time to shine, and it's super exciting to kind of find those players, especially if they're players that you've been really high on before. And then they kind of just come out and and, and just play really, really well in the Senior Bowl. And it's like, this is why I was a fan of you. And it's great. Um, so I'm really excited to uh, see some of my guys perform well at the Senior Bowl and then, you know, get themselves ready to be drafted, which is what we really care about.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, and, you know, we, we do know that every year there's some, there's some deep cuts, if you will, some guys that come out of nowhere, James Robinson, et cetera. Um, but we do want that draft capital. You know, we do want the NFL to agree with what we see, you know, i.e. Hakeem Butler, you know, we thought we saw something, the NFL basically roundly disagreed. He goes late and, you know, you got to kind of read the tea leaves when, uh, when, when the information starts to hit you. So, you know uh, we're going to, we're going to hear a lot of, a lot of deep, deep players from, from, from Kane today. And some of them, we're going to keep an eye on all of them, but some of them are just going to be nobody. And that's just how it goes. Uh, It's how it goes every single year. And we got to weed through that and wade through that and figure it out. But, you know, I think nobody better than Kane to help us sort of start the process of figuring out, you know, who might be a sleeper, who looks good uh, against their peers at the senior bowl And every year we see the Senior Bowl as something that, you know, uh, elevates a player, you know, um, you know, Terry McLaurin and, you know, Cooper Cup was another one. Debo, all these guys go in there and they sort of show themselves as, hey, man, I'm the alpha. And uh, Denzel Mims last year, uh, Chase Claypool last year, you know, although Claypool was was interesting. He played well, I think, during the game, but maybe not as well during practice. I'm not sure. Maybe you can even speak to that.
1: Yeah. So we can go back even farther, right? So Braxton Miller, Braxton Miller played himself into first round consideration at the senior bowl. Um, The, this year is going to be different, right? No one's saying that with everything going on, that it's going to be really similar to every other year, especially because of COVID. Right. So we don't have an NFL combine. So the first time that, you know, people are actually talking to these players and scouts are talking to these players is right now. And that's that's a really really important time. So we we're gonna have like these guys. That's why Devonta Smith, why Najee Harris are actually at the Senior Bowl because they're actually talking to scouts and talking to teams that they wouldn't have been able to talk to uh, previously. So that's that's why they're there. Um, it's gonna be really really important for a lot of these guys because they can really raise their stock. Um, I'm one guy I'm assuming that's gonna raise their stock, especially after today is Tylen Wallace, right, mm. or Dwayne Eskridge from from western michigan like these guys are going to just shoot up boards and we just kind of have to get on board with it
0: don't spoil the show sheet now i mean come on baby i'm only teasing uh we both know that there's no show sheet this week but uh they are on it um you know tylan has been my guy i'm i'm really super intrigued with tylan wallace um you know and i'm not so sure you know i had felix sharp on 2 weeks ago or you know last episode and he was less of a fan of tylan and it's interesting. He had some good points about, you know, where he might play and whether or not he can separate at the NFL level. I don't know. Um, I, you know, he, he mentioned, and I'll ask you this question. Cause I thought it was a good question that he asked me. He said, you know, I'm always looking for an elite trait, you know, whether it's speed or separation or whatever. Uh, and he goes, I, I, he didn't really see it in Tylan Wallace. So I'll ask you, what is it that you see? That's an elite trait from Tylan Wallace.
1: Um, the thing that sticks out to me is his release. Um, his release off the line of scrimmage is just really, really great. Um, and I really, really enjoy watching it. And then you just get, sure, you want to look for one elite trait, but it's also good if, you know, they're just good at everything, you know, and being good at everything is really important too. Because um, yep. believe it or not, only 12 guys can be a wide receiver one and have true elite traits.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I, you know, so, it's interesting because he's what? What did he measure out today? At five eleven, one ninety three. Um, you know, and I think that's that's great. That was what I wanted to see. I wanted to see him above one ninety and a, kind of above five eleven. I was kind of hoping for six foot one ninety five somewhere in there. Six foot two hundred would have been amazing. I didn't think he was quite that big, so I thought five eleven one ninety three was a win. Uh, that's a good size for him. He's fast. I mean, it. it, it What are we expecting him to run? Because I I thought he was kind of a burner, and I'm not so sure if he is or isn't. And here's the thing: we're not going to really know. I mean, are these guys going to run? What's going to happen to my my uh, my combine information? You know, do you think they're going to all run at pro days? You think a lot of these guys are going to skip it? What's your gut feeling about how this is going to play out in terms of getting some uh, athletic measurables?
1: Well, I think everyone's going to run at their pro day um, Mm -hmm. because historically, you run um, faster. You know, you run faster at your pro day. Yep, and right. So, if we're talking Anthony Schwartz, who would have broken the forty record at the combine had there been one? Anthony Schwartz from Auburn. Um, he almost what did he run a ten one one hundred meter dash? So, like we're we're talking a guy that could have broken four two at the combine. So, right. So, who knows what he's going to run? He could almost run a four flat because they're hand timing at their pro day uh, versus. Um, versus, you know, the way that it's set up at the Combine, which is through telematics. So I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see how that's going to work. And also, it's worth mentioning that the schools can release whatever time that they want. Right. So I think that that's a part that people kind of miss out on, right, is sure, teams might have the actual times, but a school can release whatever time they want. Right? If you, they want to say that Anthony Schwartz ran a 3-8, they can. <laughs> like People will be like, then why isn't he at the Olympics winning every event? Right. <laughs> yeah. So there's kind of like this back and forth, this little Tieté, right? That, that this idea that they can release whatever they want, but it kind of has to be realistic. Um, so they could realistically say that he ran a 4-2 flat and that he should have broken the record. And I don't think that's going to surprise anyone that watched any Auburn games this year.
0: Yeah, I think you're right on the money. And, um, you know, for me, you know, I've told my listeners and I I think I told you pre-show, I'm not a huge college football fan, so I don't watch a ton of college football. Um, You know, I feel like this year with with without the combine, without some of the the added layers of information that we're going to get from, you know, the interviews and all the rest of it. I, I feel like I'm going to be a little bit behind the eight ball with, with certain bits of information. You know, there's a certain, um, whatever you want to call it, like, a you know, regularity to the combine where everybody has to run under the same sort of, you know, uh, rules, you yeah. know, uh, it's, it's, and so how you perform at that combine, you know, a four, four, five is like fast. You're like, all right, that was great, man. I mean, Jerry Judy and, uh, CD lamb and, um, you know, a couple of those guys—they all ran in the mid fours, and we're all like, "This is great. These guys are great." You know, who knows what they would have run at their pro day? They probably would have put up a four-three, four-three-five, or something. And been like, "Well, you know," so that that sort of irregularity from class to class, and not quite knowing, uh, has me a little uneasy. Um, you know, just because I—it's I, not that I depend on those things, but it is a good way to compare from year to year, and that's what's great about that combine—is that it's it's run to a T. And all those athletic measurables, you know, are are really uniform. And last year even, you know, the, those those wide receiver agility scores were way off. All all those guys, you know, it was like, so there was kind of a problem. I think they ran late in the day, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we kind of saw that and we're like, wait a minute. There's something wrong here because we know these guys are agile. So, But when they're all in the same sort of control set, we can kind of figure that stuff out. Whereas, you know, if you have one guy do this, one guy do that, I think the data is going to be a little bit – Less dependable this year, and therefore, you, know, you got to really, uh, you know, rely on 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 the film a little bit more this year than than I might otherwise. Um, so it's going to be very interesting. I, I don't know what your thoughts are about that.
1: Yeah, I think it's not so much the forty times for me, um, because you know whether they run a fast forty or not, they have to be be able to do it on the field, and we would see it on the tape, right? If they're if they're really a burner or not. But the the thing that's really important for me is the rest of the drills, right? That people could be running them differently, and there's not going to be that same guidance. You know, drill after drill, we're not going to see the Pittsburgh offensive line coach or the strength coach or whatever just barking at all the running backs over and over again, right? We're not going to see that. Right, um, the
0: uniformity of that sort of moment where each guy elevates himself, and you're like, you know, catching it out of the backfield with the same drill and you kind of watch them. Can they take to coaching? Can they, you know, it's all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a little bit of just missing. And also, I mean, it's really a cool event. I mean, you know, uh, you know, all, everybody from the NFL is there. That's why it's such a big deal. And, you know, so I, I'm a little, I'm a little disappointed by that. And it's going to take a little bit of the shine off, off the off season, but you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to make the most of it.
1: So, you know, you were talking a little bit about competitiveness, and I think it's worth sharing a story of of the Combine where that competitiveness really came into play, right? So when Nate Burleson and Andre Johnson were at the Combine, they were in the same heat, right? So they were all doing the drills together, and Andre Johnson wasn't going to do a thing because everyone knew Andre Johnson was one of the best wide receivers in that class. He didn't really have to do anything. Um, but then um Burleson did the broad jump and had a really good broad jump. And everyone was talking about it and they're like, could this actually be the top wide receiver in the class? So what does Andre Johnson do? Just take off his sweatshirt and his sweatpants, do the broad jump without warming up and jump six inches longer. Right. The neighbor listen, Right. So we're missing like the, just this competitive edge. It's like now you're, now these people are going to com- be competing against the same people that they practice with.
0: Yeah. It doesn't have the same effect, right? Yeah, I, you know, I look at like, you know, it, I, to your point, like last year when, uh, when CeeDee Lamb made that crazy catch, um, you know, that one-handed sort of in the corner. I mean, he wasn't wearing pads or anything, but it was just this crazy catch. He yeah. makes this one-handed diving catch, gets his feet down, somersaults, stands up all in one motion, and who's he standing right next to? Jerry Judy, and he kind of high-fives him like, yeah, that was easy. You know, yeah, I wouldn't be thing. doing that at my pro day. Right. Not yeah, a chance let that thing sail over his head, whatever, bad throw. Let's try another rep. But he went up and got that because everybody was watching and he was like, watch this shit, you know? So it
1: was pretty cool. No, I'm with you.
0: Yeah. So, you know, speaking of senior bowl and, and there's another bowl that's, that's, that's happening this week. And yeah, I'd be crazy. I mean, I'm a football guy. I'm an NFL guy. And I'd be crazy if I can't, you know, get a little bit out. Um, This Super Bowl is going to be pretty awesome. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm from Boston. I'm I'm a Patriots fan. I'm staring at a, a uh, plush toy of Tom Brady and you know uh uh, uh, uh and here in my office I got patriot stuff and here's the you know the son of god going to Tampa Bay and bring them to a Super Bowl I mean it is just unbelievable he's going to go against the literally the greatest quarterback um you know pure pure quarterback I've ever seen in my life Patrick Mahomes with the best weapons you could possibly give a guy like Patrick Mahomes with the greatest sort of offensive mind that you could give Patrick Mahomes and can Brady slay that dragon? At 43?
1: Yeah, I I think Mahomes wins.
0: <laughs> Me too, by the way. <laughs> like, I mean, I you know, this line is three and a half, and I look at it and I'm like, I, I you know, I don't know how much you'd have to make it before I'd want to take, you know, the Tom Brady side and the and the and the you know Tampa Bay Bucks. They have a hell of a team, though. Their defensive front is great. Their secondary has been playing very well, um, you know, certainly enough to get by against good teams. Their, their offensive line is nasty and, and they're really good. Their skill positions are outstanding. I mean, you know, they, they, they you know, they were without Antonio Brown, but even still, you know, Scotty Miller's a great, you know, WR three for them, Gronk and Breit, um, They're kind of dope. I mean, Leonard Fournette, for all the Fournette haters, he was really good in the passing game. I mean, he looks really natural in the passing game. Of course, he was a high school wide receiver, as you already know. And, you know, I think he adds another dimension to that team. You know, they've got the the grinder and, and, and Rojo to take off some of that steam, you know, so they can kind of give him some of those empty carries. But that team is just really, really good. And so I'm not surprised they're there. And they definitely have a puncher's chance in this game.
1: Yeah, I think – I think it's worth mentioning, right? My alma mater has two people playing in this game. Um, and both for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we obviously have Tyler Johnson Oof. playing, and then we have uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. playing safety for the Bucs. So I'm I'm just excited for them. Um, I just remember all the hate that Tyler Johnson got. Yeah, not from me. I, I have his, I think in the other room, I have his signed... College jersey, um, and I've been able to talk to Tyler before, and he's just a great guy. Um, so I'm, I'm really, really excited just to see, you know, what he does and what they're going to do, especially their careers moving forward. So that's that. That would be the most excited I would be for Tampa Bay winning just because two Gophers win, um, and that would be just you know pretty cool to see. But I think Mahomes is just too exciting. Yes, like I, I'm not. Like the biggest Chiefs fan, but I'm a Mahomes fan. And I don't think you can really ever say that anyone isn't a Mahomes fan if they just like watching football. If you hate watching football, then you're like, oh, I don't like Mahomes. And I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) Right. Uh, But if you like football and you're like, oh, I don't like Mahomes, I don't get it. Like, he repeatedly makes really, really good plays over and over again, plays that we wouldn't think that other people would make. And he's doing it time and time again, like sometimes looking at the receiver, sometimes not. And you're telling me that you don't like this kid? Like, get yeah, out of here!
0: Exactly. And he's like, he, he he doesn't he he's not really a showboat. He's like adorable and like like sweet and like he, people love him and like his teammates like, like nobody doesn't like him. Like he's just he's he's affable and like approachable in a way that's kind of weird and like I don't know, man. He's he's something. And yeah, like a
1: few days after the after the Super Bowl last year when they won. I guess he and his girlfriend at the time, I think now they're engaged, but he, they went out for like pizza or something in Kansas city and no one went up to him and talked to him. Right. And he, that's why he doesn't really go out much. That's why no one really goes out much without like a big group around him. But, um, so before he left, he paid for everyone's tabs in the entire restaurant. (laughs) That's awesome. And then before he left, he goes, thanks for letting me enjoy a night out and then left and that was it.
0: Don't get me started. I'm a huge foodie. Um, you know, and I will say, you know, here at the undroppables, we are hashtag no neck crew. So, I mean, we're all, we're all carrying a few extra LBs. So, I mean, when it comes to food, we definitely get our, our, our share in,
1: but know you know
0: what the, uh, the, the people aren't tuning in to hear Kane and Scott talk about food. I know that for a fact, what they want is the fire. And the fire comes with these 2021 prospects, and I can tell that's where you want to go. That's where I want to go. So let's talk about it. You know, Dwayne Eskridge, uh, you know, kind of popped here at the at the at the at the Senior Bowl and the drills, and he's small. I think he measured in at 5'9", 180 maybe. I, maybe you have it in front of you. It doesn't matter. Uh, someone brought to my attention he's he's already 23 years old. Um, those are some not so great things. But why don't you tell us? why we should be paying attention to Dwayne Eskridge.
1: Um, Well, let's be real; he's probably going to get top 125 capital. Um, There's even Todd McShay saying top 50 pick. So I think that's the first thing that we have to talk about is the draft capital. You know, if you're going to get that anytime day two capital, then you have to start figuring out how you feel about a player, right? It's the exact same with Van Jefferson. Right, he was an older guy coming into coming into the NFL. Got day two capital, and we're like, well, we like the the math says that we should like him, right? Because he got day two capital, and that means he's probably going to play a little bit more. But then, if you're watching the film, you're like, he just runs routes, okay, and like doesn't really do a whole lot of things else really, really good. So, I think Dwayne Eskridge is is similar, just in the draft capital way. But if we're talking about Dwayne Eskridge... Um, on the tape, his release is filthy. He so also. I just want to preface: um, I'm drinking a soda, and anytime I don't drink pop, so when I do, I get really, really excited and talk really fast. So Fantastic. from here on, from here on out, I apologize because things are going to get much, much quicker because I'm going to get really, really excited.
0: Well, we got to talk fast because you got to get to bed. So keep it going. My my pods go very long. I'm long winded, and so you know, get it all out because it's going to happen. Here's here's what I got with with Dwayne Eskridge. Okay, so for me, I look at that that sophomore season, and as I look at that sophomore season, he played 12 games, and really only had 500 yards, 30 catches, didn't do much his junior season he's kind of comes to a little bit now all the while he's been a, a big play guy let me let me just share this with you he's averaged 18 and a half yards per reception over his college career absolutely unbelievable that's 3 seasons over 20 yards a catch but here's my question did he get injured his senior year and get a senior uh, excuse me a, a medical redshirt so he could play a fifth year do you know that
1: that's a good question
0: cuz i see him here he had 3 catches In nineteen, you know, in in four games, so I'm assuming that was a and that was his quote unquote senior year. Now that would make collarbone. Yep, there you go. So that would make some sense as to why he's coming out as a fifth year senior. That's scary a little bit, although he was pretty productive as a junior, again in in the MAC at Western Michigan. So all kind of graded on a scale. So this senior bowl is actually a big opportunity for him to show what he can do against the highest levels, but. Just to give you some idea, he played six games this year. You know, COVID shortened season for in twenty twenty. He had seven hundred and sixty eight yards on almost twenty four yards a catch. So he was purely dominant in in six short games, uh, eight touchdowns. Like I said, and just unbelievable. So his production was outstanding. Again, it, it, it has to be. Otherwise, what the hell else has he done? You know, he's been kind of a you know an okay receiver for the first three years. I'm sure he was looking forward to that. That's. 2019 senior season to get himself drafted and you know instead he put it together in 2020 and here at the senior bowl
1: yeah so let me throw some uh some context on some of the things that you said here so please um, yeah he there's some games where he obviously there's some years where he obviously didn't look super great um but it's worth noting that uh up through 2019 he was a two-way player so he wasn't just playing wide receiver. He was also playing cornerback. So I think that's that's something that we have to note as well, that we're seeing this progression. It's not what he focused on the whole time because he was also playing cornerback. And that's unbelievable. Sure, he, didn't, he didn't play a whole lot of cornerback, right? I get that. But in 2019, he actually had 14 tackles in those four games. Shit. Okay. So, you know. I think that's worth mentioning. And the other thing that's worth mentioning is uh, 2019, that's when we also saw the big breakout from his teammate Sky Moore. Um, And that's Sky Moore with two Ys, to be really fancy. Totes. Um, So, yeah, so then we came into this season, and I really thought that Sky Moore was kind of going to continue to be the guy there at Western Michigan, and he ended up not being the top guy at Kalamazoo. So, you know... It's it's worth noting that Dwayne Eskridge really just outplayed him and outplayed him by a lot. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, we can see it from his release and his release has gotten so much better. So it's clear that he worked on his his footwork a lot because you know, that's what we're really really seeing right now.
0: Yeah, and I think you tell I I didn't know he played cornerback. I mean, this is great. That's the information I'm looking for. That's why that's why you're on the show, Kane. This is it. This is exactly it. I don't know this shit. I don't I don't I I've seen this kid play like three snaps and and sort of some highlights. I mean, but if you tell me he's good, I'm going to start looking into him and that's how I figure this shit out. And when you tell me he's a cornerback, that's even better. I mean, that that actually puts context to his performance, but also kind of adds to what the hell he is. He's a he's probably I mean, if he's a cornerback and he has a great release, he's probably like elite quickness. Elite feet, elite quickness. I mean, this dude, you know, 20.4, 24.3, and 23.3 yards per catch in -hmm. the last three years. I mean, yeah, one of them was shortened by injury. But my point is consistently over 20 yards per catch, meaning he's just, he's got to be fast. So I'm curious to see what he ends up running. Um, You know, but if he's small, he's probably going to play predominantly out of the slot. But if he has that get off, He could be a a target magnet across the middle in the NFL. No?
1: Yeah. And I think what's really, really important is that release when you're playing slot. Yeah. Um, Because you're going to get that press coverage and you're always running the quick route. The slot guys are usually running the hot route, especially when we're getting to third down, when we're, you know, facing against that nickel formation, that it's going to be that really hot route. And that's what we saw Wes Welker. That's why we saw Wes Welker have 30 million concussions. right? <laughs> like, it, it, it's that hot route, man. And that's, that's really, really important. So he can get that rapport. And we're seeing that release just really, really nice. Just, I put a clip on Twitter today that he's just smooth as butter. Like it's just so easy. And he he has a really, really high IQ too. Um, You know, there was just this one clip that I, that I just watched at the senior bowl where the cornerback had outside shade on out, him, so he knew he had to have an inside release. So instead of like trying to cut back outside, he just cut inside and basically ran a dig route over the middle of the field. And of course it was wide open because the guy had outside release because he was expecting him to go outside. So like just a really, really high IQ play from him. And it's, it's really important to see that too, because it's a guy that understands a cornerback's role because that's because he did that as well. Um, So it's really, really exciting to see what he's going to do in the NFL because he understands coverages
0: bingo. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, coming from, you know, his defensive background, he'll be able to read coverages and be a quarterback's best friend. Um, You know, as you point out, you know, when it's hot, right, when they're blitzing. Also, when it's hot, you have to get open quick, you know, and if he has that elite get off where he can just get open quickly. um, Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be an elite trade at the NFL level. And, you know, Todd McShay, pretty interesting because he also had uh, what's the kid's name? Elijah Moore. He had him in the first round of his most recent mock, and I thought that was kind of nonsense. But just because I don't have Elijah Moore in my top, you know, ten wide receiver prospects, but he's got him in the first round of the NFL draft. Do you think the NFL is going to value Elijah Moore? I think he has uh, Tony now in the first round too. So this Tony uh, Kadarius Tony I'm talking about from Florida, Elijah Moore, um, you know. you know, are these guys really going to get that high a draft capital? Or you think this is a little bit of smoke screen because there's so many great wide receiver prospects? Someone has got to not get drafted early. I mean, it can't all be wide receivers. In the, you know, in the first 50 picks,
1: yeah. So it's it's worth noting the way that Todd McShay does his mock drafts. Um, see, so he he only puts people in there that are a reflection of how the league is feeling. Right. Um, So if he's putting him in the first round, that means that a lot of people are liking Elijah Moore. Correct. Um, And I think the one person that that hurts more than anyone else is another Moore, and that's Rondell Moore. Hmm. Interesting. Um, If more people are going in the first round, that means that Rondell Moore is probably going to be the guy that slips out.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, all right. So this is probably a good time to maybe talk about it. I mean – uh, maybe you have it in front of you, you're sort of 2021 wide receiver, not ranking. I mean, we can talk rankings. I mean, for me, uh, you know, and and I tell the, uh, tell my listeners all the time, I mean, rankings now should be sort of almost forever changing. You're just trying to get a feel for, for who these guys are, you know, what they can do, um, you know, where they're going to be drafted, you know, which guys do you see elite traits from, which guys are kind of not – maybe interviewing well or competing well at senior bowl. I mean, this is the whole process. You know, some people have watched films. Some people haven't. I I haven't really. So I'm going to, once I start to understand these guys a little bit more from a, from a 30,000 foot view, I'm going to get better, but I do have rankings, right? And I'll even give you an example. I had uh Tylan Wallace as my WR four. And I right now have him at my, my WR 10. I don't know what the hell to do with him. I'm moving them all over the place. In other words, I like Tylan Wallace. I don't know where he is for me yet. I don't know if I want to reach for him, so to speak, you know, take him above consensus or fade him. I'm not even sure. So, but I like him and I like what I see. And so what I guess I'm asking here is, you know, if we kind of you and I sort of, you know, hold hands proverbially and walk through our our top sort of wide receiver prospects you know do you have are you with me that jamar chase is kind of a clear 1.01 in terms of wide receivers or or do you feel differently
1: no he's he's very very good
0: so so when it comes to sort of that second uh tier maybe i mean maybe they're in the same tier but he's still sort of elevated as as number 1 for you
1: yes it's okay. he's in a tier by himself
0: Yeah, I kind of feel that way too. I kind of feel like it's just Jamar Chase and then let's look at what we've got. And for me, it's like, you know, I really like Rashad Bateman. And I know he's your guy because he's a Minnesota guy, but I'm pretty sure that when it comes to, you know, evaluating prospects, you know, you didn't have Tyler Johnson as your WR1 just because he's from Minnesota. So you're probably pretty, uh, you know, know, practical when it comes to that. How far up would you consider taking Bateman? As high as wide receiver two or? Is that a little bit too uh, aggressive?
1: He is my wide receiver, too.
0: Bingo. Yeah, I like him a lot, and I've been flirting with him there. So does that mean Devontae Smith is your wide receiver three, or is he falling further than that?
1: No, he's at three for me. Um, I I just prefer Bateman because, um, you know, if we're looking at a guy that just does everything really well, like that's what Bateman does. He's not going to be as flashy. I kind of – about – a month ago, I kind of pegged him as, you know, like the T Higgins, Michael Pittman type. He might not go in the first round and he might go just the beginning of the second round, but that doesn't mean that we should be off of him just because of it. Yeah. Um, because that means he's going to go to a team that really wants him. And, you know, I think they're going to be able to use his skill set because he's a true X receiver. Yep. And, you know, you need those in the NFL um, because they're guys that, you sure, you can scheme them open a little bit, but they're going to be facing top corners, and it's going to really come down to their own ability rather than scheme to get them open. Um So Rashad Bateman, he has good speed, great contested catch ability. We saw that a lot at Minnesota because Tanner Morgan has a propensity to underthrow passes a lot of the time, and it sucks as a fan. Um, <laughs> right. I don't need to go into my, my sad fandom again, but um, you know, he runs routes really well. I think even at, you know, I want to say he's probably going to clock in at like six feet tall. He sinks his hips really low when he's getting in and out of his breaks, which I think is really, really important because then your hands your feet and your body are working together and you're not wasting movement. Um, And he is really great at double moves because that was a large part of the Minnesota offense Um, So he uses head fakes and body fakes really, really well when he's trying to set up additional routes. So I think all that put together, it just makes him probably one of the safest wide receivers other than Jamar Chase in this draft.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all. I mean, you know, so that brings us to Devontae Smith. We'll touch on him really quickly. Um, You know, the, the look. BMI matters it does I mean look if a guy has 111 pounds he can't play I mean at some point it matters and it matters okay these guys are playing in the NFL with you know 6'3 258 pound defensive ends who run a 4-4-5 four, 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 I mean you, you, it's a different world than college I mean they're gonna get hit they're gonna get roughed up by bigger corners BMI matters but you know how much? And so whether or not that, look, this kid put together great tape. He's, you know, elite separator. I mean, he's fast. I don't know how fast, but he's fast. I mean, he outruns dudes in the SEC. So he's fast. Um, you know, he, he's tape fast. In other words, you turn on the tape, there he goes, he's gone. You know, so whether he runs a four four eight or a four three five, I don't know, he's fast.
1: Yeah, so but, he actually just weighed in at 164. Ooh. So I'm going to take this opportunity to tell you um, some things that also weigh the same at 164 pounds. (laughs) Go
0: for it. I love this. Which was
1: a tweet I sent earlier. So 492 medium-sized bananas. Okay. 164 sticks of salami.
0: Okay.
1: 82 racks of ribs. That's a lot. 54.6 two-sliced toasters. (laughs) 32.82 liter sodas. 10.9 That's 10.9 15-inch flat-screen TVs. Wow. And, of course, 8.2 karaoke machines.
0: I can't lift that many TVs, so this guy's big. You've convinced me. I'm drafting him 1.01. No, yeah, I, I
1: just saw that, and I was like, I feel like there's something here. And he weighs the same as eight karaoke machines. And I think that's something that needs to be talked about more.
0: I think rather than weight, we should just talk in terms of karaoke machines. How many karaoke machines does Rashad Bateman weigh? Like probably 10.
1: He weighs about 10 karaoke machines, yeah.
0: Yeah, 10 karaoke machines. Totally more. Um, Great great work there, Kane.
1: Yeah, thank you. I think it's worth noting.
0: (laughs) Hashtag analysis is what Mm -hmm. that was. Yep. No, that's why we had you on the show. I saw that tweet. I actually wasn't going to bring you on tonight, but when I saw that, I said, we got to have them. Um, that makes sense.
1: I thought you brought me on for my dynasty tips that I've been dropping no, lately. No, 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 and no. Those no. have been pretty good.
0: I have been paying attention to those. I saw a couple of those. Well done, sir. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, it, look, so you, you make the joke and it is funny. Uh, what the hell, man? I mean, I you know you're talking about a premium rookie pick in a dynasty league. On 160 pound, uh, are, are, how do you do it? Are we doing it?
1: Are we doing this? Yeah. I, I think, you know, if people want to have him as a wide receiver one, like I don't completely <laughs> get it because I don't think he's uh, a pure wide receiver. Um, and I think it's worth noting like how he got open at at uh, Alabama. And sure, he, he beat a lot of corners deep. But also the the stuff in the flats he got schemed for. And then we're talking about, you know, we're talking about screens. We're talking about curls. And we're talking just a lot of, you know, kind of daggers over the middle of the field where he can just use his speed. Like, he was schemed open really, really well. Sure. And and sure, you can, you can use the idea that, like, well, wouldn't every NFL team scheme them open? You'd think. Right. Um, but... You know, NFL teams are kind of stupid sometimes. Like, let us be real. Like, they they don't scheme their best players open all the time.
0: Well, it's look the here's same- the question. Here's the question. Look, if he's a four-two-five player, like I don't, then fine. He's all right. He's fast. He's he's Deshaun Jackson with more sort of ball skills and stuff like that, which is very valuable. And he could be closer to elite than Deshaun Jackson was, but. We remember Deshaun Jackson got hurt a lot, too, Um, just because whenever he catched the ball, he got a hit from an NFL player. It was like separated shoulder or, you know, they ripped his hamstring off his ass. You know, I mean, they were they were beating him and he got hurt a lot, you know, and so he couldn't stay on the field because he didn't have the body that would hold up. That's a concern for me. You know, I don't want him to get hurt, but they it is tackle football. It's not flag football. And so he's going to get hit and. I just don't know, man. I'm I'm a, I'm a little bit hesitant here with Devonte Smith, but I also realize that what he was able to do at the college level was sort of supernova. And you know what? He was dope every year. You know, we go back to his freshman, sophomore, junior year. He was great. I thought he should have come out last year. In other words, I thought he was very good last year. We'd have found out that he only weighed eight karaoke machines last year, but. You know, we would have been talking about it then, and he still was good. So I just don't know. And so let me ask you this question straight up: Is he your WR three, or are you fading him past that?
1: Nope he he's not going down any farther.
0: Okay, so you know it's worth the risk after Jamar Chase and Rashad Bateman are off the off the board. You're willing to pull the trigger on 160 pound wide receiver? Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm with you. I'm not I'm not against you. Let's just put it that way. I'm just trying to figure it out because at the end of the day, we've got to know and it comes right on the heels with Jalen waddle um you know here's another one you know he's not as small but he he's been hurting so is jalen waddle w r four for you or are you looking down the list a little bit to some of these other guys?
1: no, he's wide receiver four for me right now,
0: yep, so we're kind of following the same thing and and i i you know so here's my thoughts and and i'm gonna get you know i'm gonna i'm gonna go back and forth on this, and i don't have a strident take yet, but those two guys scare me a little tiny bit not with their skills not with anything like that just with their sheer size and uh you know I'm gonna let it wash over me but I'm with you these guys are elite talents they went to Alabama they're fast as hell I mean Jalen Waddle probably would run a 4-3 I mean is that is that kind of what your take is
1: yeah Jalen Waddle's really really good I think um I think it was really really interesting because at the beginning of the season people were saying Oh, just like Jalen Waddle is a lot more than a deep threat receiver. And then he got hurt. And then we hear Devonta Smith is more than a deep threat receiver. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, so it, it's this kind of, they kind of like traded these roles. Right. Because I think, I think they worked well together, but at the same time, right. That I think there's just that possibility that both are just really, really good players and that they will both succeed At some point. And I think they're a little more well-rounded than like your Henry Ruggs. Sure. Um, And like, I still have hope for Henry Ruggs that he can kind of work over the middle of the field eventually.
0: Sure. Whatever.
1: use that speed on like speed crosses rather than just running deep every time. But
0: I just want a written apology from everybody on Twitter. All of you. Every single one of you, including Benjamin Albright, who called me out for saying I was some sort of a troll because I thought Henry Ruggs was like wide receiver 10 to 15 and he thought he was the best wide receiver in the class. I just want written apologies for calling me names because I knew Henry Ruggs was he is what he is. I mean, let's let's not talk about Henry Ruggs. So I'm gonna get emotional. But what we do know is that Jalen Waddell is better than Henry Ruggs. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was a he was a deep threat as sort of the WR4 on that team, you know, behind Judy, behind Devontae Smith, behind Ruggs, you know, he would come in and just take the top off and just blow past everybody. But in his junior year, this past year in 2020, in the first few games that he was playing, he was the alpha. He was actually outperforming Devontae Smith in this offense. He had a higher dominator rating in the games he played. And that's something that, you know, uh, Henry Ruggs never did. So it's it, it's unfair to compare them because Jalen Waddell did in his freshman year also what, as a true freshman, what Henry Ruggs never did and what a lot of these guys never did. His freshman year was outstanding. Uh, his sophomore year, yeah, it was a little bit of a dip. Um, but, you know, we, we had the stories of them, you know, uh, Rochambeauing before the play to see who was going to get it. Maybe he was just bad at Rochambeau last year. I mean, I'll, I'll give him a pass. Sure. But this year, he was dominating, and he was dominating right from the get. And, um, you know, uh, do we do we have any idea what he's going to weigh? I mean, he's, first of all, he's going to be short. What, how tall was Devontae Smith? What did he measure at?
1: Um, do you have it there? Six foot. I, foot. I yeah, mean, he was
0: listed at 6'1, 170 or something, 175. So, I mean, he's six foot 163, he measured at. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, Jalen Waddle, supposedly 5'10, 180 ish. So he's already a little bit. Better BMI. I think he's probably faster. He was outperforming uh, Devontae Smith. Look, if you're if you're uh, you know if you're afraid of Devonte, you know Jalen Waddell, It's possible is a better wide receiver. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not saying he is for sure, but it's certainly in the cards that it might be a better player. And now I got to go even further uh, down the list. And 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 you brought his name up, Rondale Moore. You know, if after his freshman year. I told you we'd be talking about him as at best the, the WR5 in this class. You wouldn't have believed it, right?
1: Yeah, I don't think I would have. Um, you know, then we saw the injuries and um, we we know what Rondell Moore is, right? It, it's pretty cl- clear to see that he's not going to be necessarily like a deep threat. He's not going to be a wide receiver one on a team. Um, but he's going to be really great yards after catch. He's going to be really great in short and intermediate routes. And that's where he's kind of, going to kind of eat. Um, but the issue is when you have guys like Lance Zierlein for the NFL, for NFL Network, saying that uh, he has a better chance being drafted in the third or the fourth round than he does in the first round. That's concerning to me. Yes. Um so that kind of perked my ears a little bit, and I'm I'm worried right now about where his draft capital is going to be. So he actually got moved down um, a spot or two for me right now. One spot. I don't know um, if there'll be another spot he gets moved down.
0: Yeah, I, I'm concerned. I, I, look, I was concerned. I talked with uh, Mark Mathick on the pod, and I was just talking about Waddle, uh, Rondell Moore, and Devante Smith, all being these like, I mean. We, we look at them, we see how incredible they are. Like, you know, Rondell bench, uh, excuse me, squatting 600 pounds as a true freshman, uh, you know, putting up, um, what do you have a hundred and something catches as a, as a, as a true freshman, um, you know, these guys have done some superhuman things, you know, what Devonte Smith did this last year, uh, you know, leading the, the the country. I mean, yeah. Rondell Moore in his freshman season had 114 catches, 1,258 yards, which is not a great average, but he was playing for Purdue, and 12 touchdowns. He ran the ball 21 times for uh, 210 yards for two touchdowns. I mean, as a true freshman, he puts up almost 1,500 yards and 14 touchdowns. In the Big Ten for Purdue, I mean, he's good. He's good at football. He's a great football player, but he's small. He's very, very small in stature, and he's been hurt you know yeah there's question marks there and and as a as a prospect he's very intriguing but he's no sure bet let's put it that way I mean I'll ask you this Kane because this is someone that I kind of I don't think they're similar but they're kind of similar in so far as you know your 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 thoughts about Jalen Rager last year and your thoughts about Rondale Moore this year who are you more confident was going to be a better pro at this time of the season at this time of the you know offseason Rondell Moore. Okay. Tell me.
1: I dislike Rager.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Then it's too easy. But I mean, Rager kind of had that sort of, you know, we weren't sure. And then he did go in the first round. You know what I'm saying? And now if if Rondell Moore is going in the third, what do you think the NFL teams are kind of missing here? Or what are they, you know, what are they seeing that's pushing him that far down the draft board?
1: Well, I think a little bit of it is. Is the amount of these like fast, almost gadget type players that have come out the past few years, and it, the and it's going to continue, right? It's going to happen again in the twenty twenty two class, and it's going to happen, you know, from here until the NFL kind of changes again, right? Um, but it's the. It's it's hard to explain because the the idea that Rondell Moore can is just great in the open field. Like, sure, that's really really good. Um, but they're kind of transitioning again in the NFL where they want people to kind of run deeper down the field, and they not every team is is the Chiefs, right? Not everyone can scheme their best players open all the time. And I think that that's why a guy like Rondell Moore falls down, especially when you have kind of less production the past two years due to a variety of different injuries. Right. Um, And then we have that opt out that happened in the middle. And then as soon as the Big Ten was coming back, then he came back to play football. So it's been this whole like back and forth with Rondell Moore and sure in the games that he played and he he was good. Um, But that doesn't change the notions that the NFL already has on him. And especially when we have guys like Terrace Marshall, who's bigger, can go deeper down the field, and is still really good in the open field. Guys like Tylen Wallace, like all these Big guys, are kind of kind of can do it all, plus have some ability in the open field, which Big is up. where run Moore's bread and butter is.
0: Y- yeah, you're 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 making my point here. Is that after those top two, there's these three guys that I can't argue they're great. They're something. But there's a little. I'm a little concerned. You know, I'd almost rather. You know, if you're picking at like what I don't know. We're in a super flex league. and You're pick like seven or whatever. Whatever it is that, that that you're starting to look at like these three guys, you're almost better off trading back into the early second and taking Amon Ra, Terrace Marshall, Deami Brown, Tamori and Terry, Terrace Tylen Wallace. These types of players that are there that are probably. I don't know if they're just as good, but I think they have just as good a chance of of being good in the NFL and, and I don't know what to do. I mean, I don't, do I want to make Terrace Marshall, my WR four in this draft? I don't know that. I don't know. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, he looks damn good too. And so after those, do you have Ronda more WR five or have you pushed him behind some of these other guys?
1: Um, he's currently at six for me right now.
0: And who's five Thailand?
1: No. Um, it is Terrace Marshall from Terrace.
0: Yeah. I love that dude you know, I mean, he's got that NFL body. He's super fast. He's been productive. Obviously this year is kind of a difficult year to be productive, but he was good. And, you know, I'm with you. Um, yeah. I, I I'm flirting with Terrace Marshall in that spot too. I've kind of had him right in that five, six, seven range. What, what are your thoughts about Amon Ra St. Brown? Cause I kind of see him as a guy that, you know, Jack of all trades, master of none. am, am I kind of reading him right?
1: Um, so we recently did a mock draft that was super flex, tight end premium, and he went at the 306.
0: Wow. That's so incredible. I'm,
1: I'm not his biggest fan.
0: Obviously uh, not.
1: I He wasn't even the best wide receiver on his own team. Um, so I think Drake London is the best receiver on his team. But I think... Aminra St. Brown is kind of in this weird spot because people say that he separates well, and other people say that he doesn't separate that well. Um, And he does contested catches sometimes, but not all the time. And so he's kind of like just this back and forth prospect of people never really knowing where to put him. He's not even in my top 10 as a wide receiver.
0: Very interesting. So what's interesting is we did a, a couple of mock drafts at the Undroppables, and he did go two point oh four non tight end premium. So he was kind of behind some of these other guys, and um, you know, uh, you know, And then we did a, a, a non super flex. Um, I'm not. It's coming out soon. it will probably be out Wednesday. Uh, we did another one. Non super flex, sort of version 2.0, where we're kind of, you know, getting different draft positions and putting them out. He went 2.01. Um, so for you, he would definitely fall further than that as he, as he felt a 3.06. That's very interesting. So you, you'd you have guys like even Seth Williams uh, and and players like that ahead of him, I, I would assume.
1: Yes. Um. Seth Williams went
0: at 311. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay, so where where did Tamori and Terry go in that one?
1: Two twelve.
0: Two twelve. Diami Brown.
1: Three hundred two. So and Elijah Moore at three hundred five.
0: So who? I'm missing something. <laughs> who the hell went in the second round?
1: Um, in our draft, uh. It's all, it's also tight end premium. In the sure, London. so Brevin Not- Jordan and Friar Muth. 201, Revan Jordan, 202, yep. Rondell Moore. Uh, this was before Olave said he was going back to school, so he was yep. 203, Terrace Marshall at 204, Kyle Trask, 205, Trey Sermon, 206, 207, Tylan Wallace, 208, Mac Jones, 209 was Desmond Ritter, again, before he went back to college, yep. 210, Pat Friar Muth, 211, Kenneth Gainwell, and 212, Marion Terry.
0: That, that, that makes more sense because you got two guys olave and uh you know and uh Ritter yeah. um yeah we were we were kind of excited uh, at the Undroppables as well for olave and Ritter it was funny actually um we were drafting when olave made the move and someone had picked uh olave at like I't want to say 110 or 111 and uh they were on the clock in their for their second pick. It like 210 they picked uh you know I think it was Brad Weyer offensive line guy he picks Tylen Wallace and like they say oh Olave's out and I go you want to just move Tylen Wallace to your 110 pick and he's like fine so we have Tylen a little bit high in this this mock that's coming out just because you know we couldn't have Olave in there so we right. we just we said all right you get Tylen in your first pick now make another pick and sure and it was kind of funny but um, yeah, those guys are, you know, it's just like last year as they, they sort of push things down. But, um, what are your thoughts about this sort of, so you would have Terry, Terry's kind of one of my favorite players, just because I think he can be kind of a DJ Chark type of player that I, in my opinion, and, and I don't mean he's exactly like DJ Chark. I mean, he's, I guess somewhat similar, but moreover that he played in an offense that didn't necessarily throw the ball effectively down the field. He's really fast. He's tall. He can play on the outside. Um, He profiles as a, as a alpha X. Uh, We just don't know if he can, because we really don't have the film that shows that he can or can't, but certainly by the, by the measurables, he can. What are your thoughts about Tamori and Terry?
1: Um, I'm not the biggest fan because there's also some, uh, behind the scenes attitude things that, that have been brought up by a few people. Um, you know, he ended up leaving Florida State in the middle of the season. Um, so I think there's there's a discussion to be had about how this player kind of portrays himself in the locker room as well as, you know, to media and things like that. So that's never great to hear. And that usually ends up with me pushing them down my board a little bit just because I don't want to deal with any of that. Sure.
0: Well, I mean, right if he if he busts out of the league, he doesn't do you any good in your fantasy team. That is a fact. Right. So, so you feel what about Sage Surratt? I've heard some negative things about Sage. Uh what are your thoughts about him as a as a prospect?
1: Yeah, I'm down on him a little bit. He actually ended up going 502 in this mock draft. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, when you miss a whole season, it's really hard. This was also done um, on Monday, so before the Senior Bowl kind of tapes come out, but he's he's played okay the first um, few plays that I've seen of him in the Senior Bowl so far. So I think there's a chance for him to increase his stock a little bit, but I don't think that there's a chance for him to be a top 100 pick, and that's really what we're looking for. At least I'm looking for for wide receivers. Um, I think, you know, if you're going in that fourth round or later, it's really hard for you to break through um, without some luck on your side.
0: Totally agree. I mean, you know, I, I've got the anatomy series where I talk about what the anatomy of a of a of of an elite whatever. In, in this case, we're talking about wide receivers. So I have the anatomy of an elite wide receiver. And, you know, uh, there's a few guys that get drafted after the fourth round if they check every box. But one of the boxes that needs to be checked is, you know, day one or day two draft capital. And it's very hard to come from... Uh, day three or undrafted and and become, you know, sort of, I say elite, top 24, you know, dynasty asset uh, at the wide receiver position. And, you know, like last year, you know, and this was, you know, Gabriel Davis checked every box except for he was drafted in the fourth round. Guess what? I was a big Gabriel Davis fan. Guess what? Gabriel Davis is good. Uh, He should have been drafted earlier. So, you know, the NFL was wrong. They should have drafted him sooner, of course, you know, Scott was right, you know, clearly every time, you know, whatever. That's why you guys listen. I'm just joking. I'm just, you know, but, but it's true, right? So it's that type of thing where, you know, <clears throat> we have to look at that draft capital because it matters. And, uh, I, I agree with you that, it, you know, when these guys get pushed down, I don't think Sage Strott has any chance of being a top 100 pick. I think I agree with you hundred percent because I don't think anybody thinks he's that good. He's really sort of a JJ Arcega-Whiteside white side player. Where, you know, he kind of wins on the outside and he's not going to beat NFL corners, you know, uh, uh, you know, on the release or at the top of the route. I just don't think he's winning in the NFL. And there's only so many targets that can go to Josh Doxson or J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. So flush him yeah, down the toilet.
1: I think when we're talking about wide receivers, right, a point that we have to make is what what makes up a wide receiver one? in fantasy football. And and that's a combination of two things, right? It's a combination of a lot of targets, targets and, and efficiency. Bingo. Right. Like just a lot of targets aren't going to make you a wide receiver one, if you're not efficient with them. Correct. Um, So those two things need to come together. So you have to ask yourself, like, can you see a situation where Sage Surratt is getting 12 targets a game? Never. And can you see yourself, can you see Sage Surratt as the guy that's going three for 81 a few times? No, no. It's like, no. So wh- why would you want to have him, you know, any higher? So that's that's part of my process too is that I I want to take a shot on guys that could be a wide receiver one in the NFL, right? right? So that's why I'm higher on guys like Terrace Marshall. I'm higher on guys like Tylen Wallace, um, a few of my other guys like Elijah Moore, um, you know I also also tend to take you know running backs over wide receivers, but my other wide receiver sleeper is Jonathan Adams Jr. from Arkansas State. Who? Jonathan Adams Jr. from Arkansas State. He's a Red Wolf. <laughs> Do tell. Um, so he ended up having knee surgery at the end of this past season, but um, everything points to him being healthy for the first game. And especially for training camp, like dude's just a dog. Like if you watch some of his film, he's quick off the line. He has good route running. He always wins a contested catch. And I don't think he's necessarily going to be a top 100 pick. But, you know, if I'm looking at a guy that's going to be drafted day three, I want a guy that could be that X receiver. That could be the guy that could eat a ton of targets. And Jonathan Adams Jr. is that guy, and he did it all through college and did it really well.
0: Question. Did he get a um, a Senior Bowl invite?
1: I'm not sure because he hurt his knee before a lot of the invites were going out, if I remember I right, Got right. it.
0: So he's hurt. So he's going to be – is he going to be okay by sort of camp and shit like that? Or is he maybe going to go undrafted because of the injury?
1: Yeah, they're saying that he should be – Good to go. Okay. Go
0: you know, so that's interesting. Cause I, you know, uh, you know, insert that monkey with the computer. That was me. As soon as you said this guy's name, never heard of him. Don't know anything about him. Uh, but he's, he's listed at six three two twenty. Um, yeah. I like that, uh, played in the sunbelt conference. I didn't know that was a conference. I'm only joking. I actually know that was a conference, but it's funny to say that Arkansas state. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, even as a junior, which is good. I mean, you try to go back. I'm a little bit uh nervous because as a true sophomore, 17 catches. Um, you know, in the sun belt, I'd like to see him dominating a little earlier. So that early college dominance, especially at a small school, you'd like to see. That's a little bit concerning. But look, as a junior, he was okay. You know, 62 catches, 851 yards, and five touchdowns. As a senior, you know, this could be sort of that Hakeem Butler corollary where yeah, as a senior, as a big guy, he dominates 79 catches, you know, 1,100 yards, 12 touch. Um, you know, he was productive. I, I'd have to look at the dominator rating there to see if he was, you know, more or less productive than the raw numbers appear. Uh, I will dig in. I love the take. Um, and you're right, though. He does have that sort of body frame to be an elite X in the, in the league. And, and you're right. If you're taking shots, why take a shot on a guy who's just going to be some sort of random backup you know Riley Ridley who you know look maybe he's a you know good technician but he has zero chance of ever elevating whereas this like, guy could be that lightning in a bottle type of player so I'm with you 100% right
1: if your ceiling is the wide receiver three on a team I don't want you on my fantasy team like at it's all. not worth me drafting you
0: at all right exactly like, I'm with you 100%
1: we're already looking at hit rates that are so low right what is a fourth round hit rate like 5% that you actually draft a player that's going to have um you know top 24 wide receiver or running back potential right it's at like five percent so we're already just making coin flips at this point even worse than a coin flip right Right.
0: way worse right exactly
1: it's a 20 sided die that that you're just hoping you finally get a crit 20 yes i'm a nerd so but uh, don't draw dead
0: Right, like don't draw dead. You know that there's a guy, you know, it's the Elijah Holyfield. Like he was eliminated from my draft board. There was zero point at any point that I was ever drafting him because he ran a four seven nine. Like that's not an NFL elite back in any way, shape, or form.
1: I believe he's actually Eight. still running his 40.
0: I this just in. You're right. Actually, you're yep. right. Hold on. Just no, don't get that. Took a full just year. Yep. No, nope. he's uh he is. But you're right. You know, there's just zero percent chance. You know, these types of players these good college players. It's great. They, they're God bless them. They're probably wonderful human beings. I have nothing against them, but they're never going to elevate, you know, whereas a guy like James Robinson, you know, you turn on the tape, look, he was, he was in my top, you know, 12 or 14 RBs before the draft because he had some juice, you know, he was clearly at least somewhat capable of putting this together. You know, it wasn't probable. It still isn't probable. Even in hindsight, if you look at it, he needed like COVID and, like for a team to erroneously release Leonard Fournette because of bullshit reasons. Like he needed the world to come together perfectly for him to have that season, but at least it was possible. If Elijah Holyfield was in James Robinson's spot, he's still not playing like they're going to sign somebody. He's just not possible for him to have that type of role. And it's important to understand what late round picks and late round flyers look like. And you point out exactly right that this guy hey he actually has that 5% chance as opposed to a 0% chance well said
1: right yeah so that's that's where i'm at right now
0: yeah i love it so jonathan adams junior knee injury guy from sunbelt conference on the list
1: that's my put guy
0: on, put him on put him on the list <laughs> instead of a 2% chance you have an 8% chance that he becomes something in the league
1: yeah. And I think that's, that's the fun part, right? When we're talking about these guys that are, that are lower that have a pretty small chance to hit already. It, that's when we're trying to find diamonds in the rough and it. And if we're going back to their, their film, yeah, their, their film matters, but their draft capital also matters. Then, you know, at that point, their landing spot also matters, right? Yep. So all that kind of works together for us to get an idea of where a player could actually fit in and get some fantasy points. Because at the end of the day, I want all of my favorite players to get drafted, but I want them to put up fantasy points. That's what matters to me.
0: Yeah. So in that in that sort of second uh, half of your top ten or top twelve wide receivers, you know, we kind of stopped at Rondell Moore. I think we know. um, You know, Terrace Marshall is there. Who's your wide receiver seven? Because I'm looking at a name here that I'm wondering if you're going to say what I'm thinking.
1: Tylen Wallace.
0: Yeah right? I mean, so I'm with you. I, I like Tylen Wallace a lot. I think I'm going to, you know, I drafted him at the 3.01 in our draft. And I was like, my, my comments, we wrote a little article and I said, he'll never be here for you at the 3.01 in any of your drafts. Cause he's going to shoot up the draft boards right. because he's going to get drafted. He's going to run fast. He's going to do all these great things at the senior bowl. He's not going to be there. He's a, he's not going to be there. So I agree with you. I think we're right on the money. I'm in lockstep with you after Tylen. And, I, and I'm with you 100%, where do you go from there? So Terrace Marshall's off the board. Rondell Moore's off the mo- off the board. Uh, Tylan Wallace is off the board. I'm looking at another name. Let's see if you hit me again.
1: Well, this is where we go into uh, clusterfuck territory. I agree. Um, yeah, so it's it's messy. Um, yeah, it is. With people returning back to school, uh, what are we at, wide receiver eight right now? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, like the next highest guy i have is diami brown but that's me too not, me too i don't like him what don't you like um i think that he is just mostly a big play guy and okay. he was winning he beats up on really bad teams and then disappears against really really good teams so i'm not the biggest fan of that Um, and when he does play well against, well, as a relative term, against a good team like Notre Dame, um, if we pull up his stats here.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at it too. And, and it it is interesting. I mean, you know, he's got the body, he's six foot. Plus, you know, he's going to flirt with 200 pounds. I don't know if he's weighed anywhere, but, you know, and he's averaged 20 yards a catch for the last two seasons, his sophomore and junior season. But I I, I do want to hear what you have to say about his sort of game-to-game play. So go go ahead and share that with us. Yeah,
1: so he went 4-for-84 against Notre Dame, where one of that play was on a broken coverage of 51 yards, um, where he got deep down the field, and it was one safety against basically two players, both running a deep post. So, you know, say what you want about that. I think the defense messed up, and I, if you want to give that to Diami Brown's credit for winning a jump ball when he had another teammate along with him, then sure. Um, but I'm I'm not super excited for that.
0: So I have no idea, right? So I don't know if I literally have no idea who has a good defense, who doesn't. But let me just let me just share with you his his junior and senior year sort of. Uh, opponents. I mean, it's it looks like it's littered with some pretty good teams. I mean, South Carolina, they're in the SEC. Am I right? You know, Miami. I'm sure Wake Forest sucks. App State. I don't know. Clemson, uh, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Pittsburgh, Mercer, whatever. North Carolina State, Temple. I don't know. Syracuse, BC, Virginia Tech, Florida State, NC State, Virginia, Duke, Wake Forest again. He did fucking kill it, Wake Forest. Notre Dame. Western Carolina, he doesn't even look like he played in that game. Miami, Miami. So, I mean, it's not like he played a lot of cupcakes unless I'm I'm misconstruing that. It looks like, you know, he was fairly consistent. I mean, he had a couple of spike games.
1: There's so quite if it, a few cupcakes in there.
0: So, he, he, let me just read you the spike games. Is Virginia any good? Because he went six for 202 last oh, year really? with three touch. You know, I don't know. Virginia sounds like a big school to me. Uh, nc state he went six for 150 in a touch uh nc state again are they terrible because he went seven and 105 yeah they're not great virginia again 11 243 touches he, he literally has 500 yards in two seasons against virginia yep. um so maybe they suck um you know, Wake Forest again, one sixty three, Miami one sixty seven. So, you know, look, obviously, you're supposed to dominate the shit teams. That's what you're supposed to do, and right. it is harder against the good teams. It's interesting. I, I mean, I appreciate your context to his to his stats. Um, you know, I'd be right. curious and to see what he can do or can't.
1: Kind do. of the things that kind of stick out to me, right? So, when he faced Clemson in 2019, three for sixty three. When he faced Virginia Tech in 2019, it was a six overtime game. Ah. Uh. Had two catches.
0: Six overtime, Jesus Christ. And
1: only two catches. Right. Right. Like, that's concerning to me. Sure. You played for literally four hours.
0: <laughs> right. Or and more, had, probably.
1: Yeah, probably five hours. Right, and it had two catches that whole time.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Like, yeah. All right, man. Like, that's not great.
0: Not great. Not good, Jerry. Not good.
1: I think there's a um, realistic possibility where his teammate Daz Newsom is a better pro than he is.
0: That was going to be kind of my next question is, you know, I've, you know, when I had Felix on, I asked about Diami Brown and he, he was quick to mention Daz. And so maybe, maybe Diami comes down a little bit. Maybe Daz comes up a little bit in my rankings because I appreciate what you're sharing. Um, but I can't help but see my guy Tamori and Terry, how far down the list do you have him? Because I'm ready to put him right there then. If you're going to tell me that all these other guys have have flaws, I'd rather take the swing that Terry is just a, just a DJ Chark sort of monster that was playing in a shit offense.
1: I have him at like 13 or 14.
0: Okay. So after Diami Brown, who you got?
1: Elijah Moore.
0: So Elijah Moore, my understanding is he's a slot only. Am I, yep. is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So you're basically just saying he's going to be a slot, he's going to be a good slot, he's going to get, you know, 100 targets and you know, you're just sort of counting money at that point. Is that what right. you're basically betting on cuz he's not going to be elite or am I am I missing
1: that? Well we're talking third round pick right now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. So I'd rather, you know, I'm taking a proven asset that I know is going to get some pretty good work and some really good draft capital.
0: Yeah, i i i'm not i'm not disagreeing i'm just trying to pick your brain here because you know uh yeah a third round pick but if you're having that wide receiver eight or nine he that's a second round pick in 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 a, in, a, in a traditional draft perhaps right
1: yeah i i'm also just a huge running back guy i'd always rather take shots at running backs um because if they're gonna get day two or day three capital well early day three capital i'd rather take them over a wide receiver
0: well, let's talk about running backs real quick. We're we're running out of time. We're going to cut it here at some point. And the kids at home just let out a "Oh," cuz they want to hear you talk more. I know it for sure. But Najee Harris, RB1 without question, especially after um, you know, the 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 sort of end of season and measurables and everything. I mean, is there any is there any question here?
1: He's my running back, too.
0: Ooh. So I literally don't know which of these two guys you have at RB1. Is it, is it Etienne or Javante?
1: Or no, it's Etienne.
0: So Etienne strikes me as sort of a pure speed back with huge receiving upside. Is that kind of how you see him, or do you think he's got more nuance to his between the tackle games?
1: Um, so, you know, this is normally how I break a tie between running backs. I have them both tier one guys. But I will always rather choose the fast zone runner over a power runner, especially when we're talking about a guy that can actually make breakaway plays. Because so we're talking about 4-3 speed with Travis Etienne. We're talking 4-6 speed with Najee Harris. No doubt. Um, Najee Harris's longest run in college was 56 yards. Travis Etienne's was 94
0: like 17 times like, yeah, dude is, dude is electric. Yeah. Um,
1: so I will always just choose the zone, the fast zone runner over a guy like nasha Harris.
0: Interesting. I mean, you know, it's, it, it, so I think Travis Etienne sort of profiles as a Alvin Kamara uh, workload in, in the NFL. Right. I mean, he's not going to see 20, 25 carries a game. It's just not going to happen. Would you agree with that?
1: I think he actually sees about twenty to twenty-five carries a game.
0: Really? Yep. Okay. Well, that that would certainly make him my RB one too. If I felt that, right? So if I felt like he could withstand, you know, literal elite level um, workload, then then for sure I could I could get on your train. I do have questions about that, and I think that you know I think here's the thing that I think is underrated in Najee's game is his receiving ability. I don't think he comes off the field like ever, like never, like unless you want him to come off the field. But when it's third and long, third and short, goal line, I don't care what the play call is. Just flex him out, like he can do it all, and he can do it all at at 230 pounds. And you know, I don't know if he's a four six player. I mean, obviously, if he's four six, that's still fine because he's 230 pounds. I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't think he's, you know, Saquon uh, Jonathan Taylor, you know, even Leonard Fournette ran a four, I think a four or five flat. Like, I don't think he's that kind of player, but I think he's got way better feet than Fournette ever had. I mean, you know, you watch this kid play and he's able to make guys miss in short areas where even those three guys I just mentioned, I mean, maybe Saquon obviously, but a lot of those bigger backs are just unable to make guys miss Derek Henry, etc. Uh, where Najee is able to, have these feet that you just don't see at a guy his size. I mean, he is my RB one and I am starting to think about Javante Williams. Is he your clear W uh, running back three or, or or are you not a, a Javante fan?
1: I have Javante at running back three right now.
0: Yeah, me too. And I, I don't know that I can move him. I mean, you know, draft capital landing spot, maybe, I mean, obviously those three guys are, are my clear top three. And after that, I have, I have questions. Um you may have heard the people asking for the guy so let's bring him on. Ramondre Stevenson has joined the chat. What are we saying about Ramondre? Speak to me, king.
1: Yeah, so right now he's my running back six. Okay. Um, I I think that um he is is a solid player and I think that he also has some question marks. No doubt. No doubt. And it's not, there's, there's a reason why he didn't play much in 2019, right? He made some choices that, that weren't the best.
0: I mean, he smoked weed. Let's not hold that against him. I mean, you and I are smoking weed right now. So, I mean, let's just, you know, let's be easy on the guy. Anyway, keep, keep going.
1: But it's, it's, you know, you know, the rules. Right, I'm, like, I'm just you, joking. You got to know the rules, man, and and that's to me that's important. Um, but yeah, he came back, and part of my reluctance might be that I'm a huge Seth McGowan fan, who was actually the guy that that was in charge of the Oklahoma backfield before he got injured, and then he got injured. Then Ramondre Stevenson came back, um, so that might be a little bit of it. But at the same at the same point, I think he's exciting in the fact that he's tough to bring down and he has a low center of gravity and has good contact balance. But at the same time, I don't think he's necessarily like a game changing running back. Sure. Like he just is like just a little bigger da- David Montgomery. And there's like, is that the guy that you really want to hang your hat on? Like, not really.
0: Well, everybody's a little bit better than David Montgomery. Let's face it.
1: But only throwing, I, didn't, only I, throwing... didn't say, I didn't say better. I just said a little <laughs> bigger.
0: I know. I was just throwing shade at all my David Montgomery people. I was a big fade on David Montgomery, and he he proved me wrong a little bit. He had a good year. I'm with I, you. I,
1: I sold him right before he started breaking out. So, oh,
0: that a boy. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait for that breakout to come, and just before that, get the least possible value. Good job, no. But right, I mean, David Montgomery. You know, I thought was a good football player, but I think you know Ramondre has a, a higher ceiling, but a lower floor if I were to, you know, I felt like David Montgomery was going to be a good fo- I never thought he'd bust out of the league. I really didn't. I never thought it. I just never thought he'd be a lead either. I thought he was absolutely perfect for being good in the NFL. He's just going to be good. He's good and kind of right. I mean, he doesn't beat defenses on his own. He gets what's blocked. He's a hell of a good player. He's worked his ass off. I think he's probably I think if you went and took David Montgomery right now, and and he went to the combine. I think he'd be faster, quicker, stronger. I think he's. I think he's. I mean, you know, inside information. But you know, I I, I know some of the guys that work with him personally, and they said he works his ass off. And uh, yeah, he's he's a he's a great dude and a great football player. I just never thought he was elite. And I'm not saying that Ramondre is elite, but he kind of has some of that. You know, where he has. You said it, elite contact balance. He's able to take contact and keep moving. Uh, he had some of those um, uh, tackle breaking numbers that 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 also uh, David Montgomery did have. You know, David Montgomery had a lot of broken tackles in college. Ramondre, I think, had the highest broken tackle rate. Um, I think uh, you know one of the highest. I'm, I, I don't want to speak out of my I'm ass. Sure
1: he was second. I think Javante Williams was first.
0: Yeah, there you go. Thank you. I you know, what the hell do I know? I'm just some guy who regurgitates stuff I hear, but you're absolutely right, you know. Um, so I, I'm kind of with you. You know, the guy that I think is the enigma going into this thing is is Chuba Hubbard. And yeah,
1: I was waiting for that.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, man. I like last year I thought he was part of that elite group. I had him with Najee, Travis Etienne, uh Akers, Swift, Dobbins, Taylor and I thought this was going to be the greatest running back class of all time, and he was in there. And then, of course, Harris, ETN, and Hubbard returned to school. I thought especially Chuba made that mistake, especially after he had the sort of uh, blowout with um, – what's his coach's name there? Uh,
1: uh, I'm a man. I'm 40.
0: That guy. It wasn't, it, wasn't it him? Yeah,
1: his last name's Gundy.
0: Yeah, didn't he? Didn't he say something about MAGA and like Black Lives Don't Matter? Or, I don't know.
1: Whatever uh, he wore, uh, a QAnon O-man shirt.
0: Yeah, something. Whatever. He was kind of being, you know. And then, th- th- then they were on the thing. They had the apology, and now of a I don't know. I thought it was just he should have just gotten the fuck out of there and just like yep. been like deuces. I'm out. Um, and and then so I don't know, you know. And and there is some concern that he's just sort of a you know, a speed back only, and he doesn't really do everything else well. And you, you watch more than, than I do. Is is he a speed back that just doesn't do anything else well? Or is, is he a great back that, you know, just had a shitty relationship with his team and coach this year?
1: Well, he took a huge step back. I think his vision was lackluster this season. And there were some vision concerns last year, but they really became evident when, the offensive line just wasn't really opening up the same holes. Right. So, you know, it's, I've, it's unfortunate for him because, you know, I think he's a, he's a solid player and I think there's a team out there that would be still willing to give him late day two draft capital just because of the speed. Yep. Um, Especially if they're running his own run scheme, 49ers, 49ers, um, if the Vikings think that they need speed, Atlanta. Uh, so these guys that run predominantly zone run schemes, that might be exciting for all of them. You know, it's it's really, he's going to fit better in his own run scheme than he is in a power run scheme. So I think Chuba is going to be interesting, but he needs to get a lot better at some really, really important areas.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's right. And, and, you know, I don't think you just drop him in any offense and he's going to be the, the man, but let me just tell you, if, Chuba Hubbard somehow lands in the 40 at you know in in San Francisco with the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan and that scheme uh I don't know I don't know man I don't know how high I'll draft him but it'll be pretty high because when you think Raheem Mostert Chuba Hubbard is Raheem Mostert plus and Mostert just breaks it off every time Hubbard's fast and he's a uh, in all likelihood quite a bit better than Mostert is in a vacuum and Mostert's also going to be like 29 this year we we don't remember that because he
1: did nothing for the first six years of his career or whatever well, it's but, like do you want Mostert that doesn't get hurt like right. yeah I want him on my fantasy team of course it's like, it's like yeah I want the guy that won't get injured and be able to play right Who's because one play of Raheem Mostert right where he takes a catch 80 yards in the touchdown you get one for the what is that? Eight points for the run, six for the touchdown, then another one for the catch. Like now we're talking about a 15 point play. Right. Like I I like players that can make that play. Correct.
0: Yes. The big play is absolutely huge. And, and that's probably why you have Etienne at number one, because let's face it. He's he's in the right offense. That dude is going to be the, one of the most fun players on, uh, on the
1: planet. Yeah. Um, Like you put him in like Arizona, And I think he's a top 10 running back in dynasty instantly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think landing spot will matter a bit with those top three, you know, Williams, Etienne and Harris might move around. I I, I'm with you. I don't think there's much to talk about there. I think more of the intrigue happens after those three because it's Hubbard, it's Ramondre and another guy that I thought lost his opportunity to sort of show what he could do. And Trey Sermon, um, you know, got hurt early in that game and, yeah, you know, that was his stage to kind of show what's up, and so now he's sort of being, you know, maybe slept on again. Once again, we're sleeping on Trey Sermon. Is he in your top six? Yes. Yeah. Is he? Where do you have?
1: For me, he's five. he's what we call T U F F tough. Yeah, dude. Like, he is a grinder. He is like Najee Harris put in to a two hundred fifteen pounder's body. Like he is tough and works for every yard. Also, shout out, Trey. I know you retweeted me one time. That was awesome. That is cool. But yeah, he he has just really great contact balance for being a smaller guy. He just has that grit and determination that he's not going to be slowed down.
0: He does I play agree. bigger than his size. I agree with you 100%. Oh,
1: 100%. And he is just one of those guys that that like you just find yourself rooting for. Yeah, no so, doubt, man. And also, if you you know, if you get a really, really, like, I remember in what, when he was with Oklahoma, that he just had a huge stiff arm. And the fact that his last name's Sermon, right? (laughs) Then it just comes up with so many good jokes, right? And I think that's really, really important. And a big thing that we have to talk about, because then you can say that he exercised the demon out of the defensive player. We can talk about you know, how he baptized them to play better. Like there's just so many different ways that you can like make these jokes. And I think that's what keeps him in the top five for me.
0: Word, word. I'm in, man. I'm in. <clears throat> so I would imagine you have, uh, ETN, Harris, Javante, and then Sermon, Hubbard, Ramondre. Am I?
1: Um, so I have it, ETN, Harris, um,
0: Javante, Javante
1: Williams, Kenneth Gainwell. Ooh, thank you. Harry Sermon. So, hold then, on, we're, we're going, going there. So,
0: so Kenny Gainwell is like my favorite player. Here's my problem. They list him. Let me look it up to just make sure I'm. You know, I've I've had almost an entire bottle of wine while I'm talking to you because you know what? Who gives a shit? But let me just look up Kenny Gainwell. Uh, here he is. So Kenny Gainwell they have listed at 5'11", 191. Mm-hmm. So I'm praying to God that he's 5'10", not 5'11", or six foot. I mean, that is too long, too lean for NFL alpha work. He's just so good and so exciting that he – I don't know how you have him at RB4. Talk, talk to me about Kenny Gainwell. I'm just I, I'm, I'm – I'm slowly becoming a skeptic, and I don't like it.
1: Well, one one target is worth two point eight points, two point eight times more than a carry in the NFL. Yes, sir. So you know Kenneth Gainwell. What do he have? 60, 51 catches in twenty nineteen. Um, he is just a really really good player. Man, he's he's the reason why Antonio Brown or not Antonio Gibson, Brown, yeah. Antonio Gibson didn't touch the ball that much because Kenneth Gainwell is just really really good um so yeah i think he just is is just a solid player and i don't care much about player about running back size like that doesn't bother me at all cuz let's be real if i draft him in the second round which in our mock draft he went at the 211 if he's going at the 211 and i can just have him for you know two or three seasons of what of running back 24 Even hell, even one season of running back 24 potential, he already hit for me. So, all I need is just one good season, and that's that's worth drafting him in the second round of a rookie draft.
0: Look, I've been looking forward to to pushing the button for Kenny Gainwell for a long time. I love this dude. I mean, I had him very high, uh, you know, last year going into this, you know, into this year. I'm not a Devi player like you are, so I mean, I you know, for me, it's I have less investment, but I love Kenny Gainwell. He went 2.08 in our Superflex mock, and again, I'm stepping on the article coming out, but he went 2.02 in a non-Superflex mock just recently with the undroppables. So I think he's firmly in the second round. I will be. It look when I'm on the clock and he's available, he's going to be on my mind because. You're right. You know, when you're swinging for the fences, you know, uh, he's that sort of, I don't want to use Jamal Charles, but he's that kind of guy where he's just a big play waiting to happen. He can catch the football. And so I'm just hoping he has enough sort of weight on him that he can withstand the NFL sort of rigors and, you know, be more than sort of a tertiary player in the NFL. We've seen a lot of guys put up big numbers in college and then they get drafted and they're, you know, they're used a little bit. They're here and there. They're they're you know, um, Justice Hill, you know, uh, you know, we thought he was something. I mean, he was he made Chris Carson ride the bench in college, came out, had huge numbers, super fast, really skilled player, but Just hasn't gotten an opportunity in the NFL. I'm not saying he is or isn't better than Justice Hill. I'm just saying we've seen it before, and that was the first name that popped in my mind. You're probably better at pulling up some other guys that that fit that profile. Um, But
1: let me me just tell you on one fact about Kennedy. I know you you feel better. Let's go. Like I do. His birthplace is Yazoo City. Let's go. I'll take it. I think that's exciting. Yazoo city
0: for the win. No doubt about it, bro. I want Kenny Gainwell. I want to be just, I, I want it. I want it really, really bad. So, you know, I,
1: I'm just looking at ceilings. I think past the top two or three, he has the highest ceiling of any of these players. Totally. Right. Of Chuba Hubbard. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's going to be the most exciting and I want to shoot for, you know, a top 24 running back. I don't want to shoot for, you know, a Carlos Hyde, a totally. little Carlos Hyde. Like that's not what I'm going for. I want a guy that's actually going to hit for a season or two because if he hits once, I can trade him and I only care about value. Yes. So if If he can outperform his value and I get one or two seasons out of it, I can always trade it for what I might see as a better perceived value. Um, so to me, it's worth it if he can just hit once.
0: I'm with you. I'm with you. I want it. I am with you. So a guy that, you know, I don't know if he's similar, different or whatever to um, Kenny Gainwell, but in some ways, uh, Michael Carter, uh, I thought he, I thought his way in was great. Um his his sort of what, – what do you think of his ceiling and maybe talk about where you have him in your rankings because he's a guy that intrigues me a little bit. I'm not sure if he's an every down player in the NFL either.
1: I think I have him like seven or eight, something like that. He's really, really similar to a guy that I really like, which is Javion Hawkins out of Louisville. They're yeah. both kind of smaller guys that that can catch the ball well when they're asked to. Um, Michael Carter caught the ball a whole lot more than JV Hawkins did just because Hawkins wasn't um, asked to do it much in the NFL. But, or excuse me, in, in the, uh, for Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: I did. The um, yeah. listeners knew too, damn it. If they're, if they're, if they're correcting you as we go, F them because you were, you were, you, you know, we know what you were talking about. Go. Yeah. Go. So they're,
1: they're both good players. And I think they both will exceed their, given cost. And to me, that's what matters because I think they're both going to get relatively good draft capital. And that's really what we're looking for here. Um, it's, it's worth noting that, uh, you know, I, every once in a while I like to look at who is, is the agent for some of these guys. Yeah. Because the agent's not going to make a bad decision. And if I remember right, I'm pretty sure that Javen Hawkins' agent is Rosenhouse.
0: I love it. You're looking it up. I can hear the clicking and the clacking of the computer, which is which makes for good radio. There's no doubt about it. Everybody loves a, a good. Yeah, it's, it's uh,
1: Rosenhouse is yeah. his agent. So um, that show makes me, me, me the cool. money. Show me the money. Yeah, I'm with you. I love Kenny
0: Gainwell. I love uh, Michael Carter is interesting. I you know obviously uh, in that system with uh, what is it Sam Howell is that the kid's name? Yep. You know I I wonder how much you know Diami Brown Daz Newsom Javante Williams Michael Carter uh, you know Sam Howell. There's a lot of talent there, and you know it's kind of like with um, with LSU when they you know they set all these records with Burrow and Chase Jefferson Ceh you know, which guy made which guy, right? You know, it's like, I, I wondered if one of those guys would bust and just be like, yeah, of course, man. He played with so-and-so and so-and-so. Of course he was bad, whether it was going to be Burrow or whatnot, right? Or were they all just dope and that's why they were so good, right? But, you know, you could put me in at running back for that LSU team. I would gain gained a few yards because, you know, they're just Awesome. You know, there and we we were kind of a lot of people were concerned about Jefferson. Oh, he only plays in the slot. He was only a three-star high school player, yada yada. And then he goes out and he's the, the best rookie player of all time. And so some of those things are difficult to understand as you watch them. And I think Michael Carter, Javante Williams is a little bit of that for me. You know, is is Michael Carter just good because he was on a great team and and got some opportunistic touches? Um Mark Mathick had given us some some pretty good uh, data on comparing um, Javante and uh, Michael Carter. And he had shared with us that almost – I think it was like 20% of Javante Williams' carries were in short-yarded situations, where only like 6% of Michael Carter's were in short-yarded situations. So ultimately those short-yarded situations will yield you generally – You know, if you get two yards and fourth and one, success – You know, if you get two yards on third and 15, dude, what the fuck, right? So I think what he was trying to point out was that uh, Javante was successful even in those high leverage situations where, you know, even the goal line stops you, right? You know, it's a one yard gain, but you're in the end zone. Um, So Javante was sort of more that player. And Michael Carter was sort of that ancillary player that got a lot of maybe just Opportunities to be more successful, um, and, and I wonder if that you know where that where that lies. Obviously, he's smaller, and Javante sort of profiles for sure as the more alpha back in the NFL.
1: Yeah, but again, I don't care about height anymore for running back. So, you know, if he gets the draft capital, if he can manage to be round three, round four draft capital, I'll gladly take him. Where he ended up going in our mock draft that will be dropping, I think, on Wednesday. Is three ten is where Michael Carter went for us.
0: Wow. Uh let's see where I I think I drafted him uh where did I just I, I, I think I picked him. Um, I picked him at two ten, but again it was a non super flex, so there's like yeah. five quarterbacks. So that would have put him mid you know, mid third. So about the same.
1: Yeah. Um
0: you know, and actually uh you know, when I picked him, you know, I there was a ton of players there, you know, and, and, and these mocks are just that, you know, you, you may not do this exact thing, but I passed on Tamori and Terry. I passed on Ramondre Stevenson. I actually have Ramondre ahead of Michael Carter in my rankings. <clears throat> so, you know, it's like, it's a flip of coin. So, you know, Diami Brown was on the, cl- uh, uh, on the board. So yeah, it's very interesting as you kind of start to think about what you might do when you're actually on the clock. And, um. Yeah, that's why these these conversations are kind of fun because we have no idea what the hell we're talking about uh, in some ways because right. we don't know. I mean, look, if, if you're right, if Michael Carter goes at you know in the second round at pick ten to a to a team that's running back needy, well, yeah, all of a sudden it's like holy shit, maybe he's my RB four or five. I mean, what the hell? This is great. And conversely, if Ramondre goes pick you know in in the seventh round you know, to Dallas behind Pollard. And you're like, forget it, you know, get the hell out of here. I don't want any part of you. So, you know, I'm not saying either of those things are going to happen. But I'm saying if they did, they completely form our decision for us. All right. So I'm going to get you out on this. We're going to, we're going to roll. It's been a long pod. You're amazing. I could talk to you forever because you know more about these prospects and, and than, than I could imagine. But, you know, um, I'm going to just ask you a very simple question. After after Trevor Lawrence, if you're in a super flex league and you're drafting a quarterback, who are you taking next?
1: Justin Fields.
0: Easy. Is it easy for you? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, Justin Fields, book it. Forget about it. Trey Lance is going to be a what in the NFL? quarterback ah, oh, you're so fucking see folks this is why he's on the show he knows all the answers
1: i mean but is he I, gonna Is he I gonna he, live in the same town where trey lance is from get the hell out of here are you shitting me no his parents live like six blocks away from me
0: so go at why don't you just ask him i mean this is bullshit you gave me some bullshit so answer you could just go north ask state. him
1: what's that he's still in north dakota state
0: I know, but you could ask his parents. Is he going to be good? What's going on? Let me get some inside information.
1: Even they got to work tomorrow. All right, fine.
0: So, do you think Trey Lance is going to be
1: dope? Yes.
0: I kind of do hey, too. I'm, I'm. I think he might be that sort of that one small school guy that comes out and just kind of kind of torches. I'm kind of hoping my Patriots get him at pick 15. You think he'll be there? No. <laughs> I would say we've reached the lightning round. I can feel it now. Hey, Kane. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh I was, I, w- I had zero preparation. You had uh all the preparation in the world because you're the best in this business. I love you. I thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Um, you know, tell tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, tell everybody what you're doing, where they where they can hear your podcast. Just kind of give yourself a little pimp right now because you deserve it.
1: Yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter at Devi underscore Kane. Um, we have the podcast, the Debbie Marketplace podcast, where we take a unique look at Debbie players. Um, the, there's only one pod like it, right? We're only looking at values of Debbie players because we know that Debbie players aren't going to be scoring points on your roster this season, probably not next season. We have some guys that are just incoming freshmen that are on our Debbie roster. So we we know that the best way to make our team better is to constantly have assets that are accruing in value. So our goal is to look at when to buy, when to sell um, these stocks, because they're not scoring points for our team. So we have to figure out when we can actually trade them to benefit our team the most. So that's our whole goal of the podcast. Um, And listen to the podcast. We're actually giving away, I know you mentioned Gabriel Davis, but we're actually giving away a Gabriel Davis jersey. So make sure to listen to the latest episode of the Debbie Marketplace to figure out how you can win that jersey of a signed Gabriel Davis Bill's jersey. Oh um, shit. So yeah. you definitely
0: yeah I mean all the listeners of my podcast are Gabriel Davis fans. Otherwise I block them or suspend their subscription. They're not yeah. allowed to follow or listen if they're not Gabriel Davis fans. So yeah. you don't know how how wise that that plug was. Uh, also Debbie Marketplace, you gotta admit that's actually the the best possible Debbie uh, content available because he's right. They are stocks at that point. You know, let's face it. Rondell Moore was the clear 1.01 after his freshman year. If you sold him, you know, I think uh, I listened to Ray Garvin show. I think he sold him for like something ridiculous in the end. Like, you know, like he used him plus something to get Alvin Kamara. So I don't remember the damn trade, but I remember thinking, boy, that's pretty bold. As it turns out, that was fucking brilliant because you sell you sell those early Debbie players when they're at their peak, and you're able to get actual production for your fantasy team. Probably the way to go. I'm not a Debbie player, but sounds like that's probably smart. Am I right?
1: Yeah, that's that's our goal is to just make sure that we're accruing value as much as possible, and mainly because we just want to win. That's what yeah, we winning's
0: want fun. Winning's it. fun. Yeah, you, you either want to win or lose terribly with like hundred draft picks. Those are the two ways to to go in Dynasty. We've talked about that a million times. Debbie get uh uh you know Kane gets it. Debbie Marketplace is the way to be. Uh, follow Debbie Kane. Not only will you get these amazing takes on fantasy football, but he also talks about undercooking your meat. You definitely want to undercook your meat, except chicken. Okay, guys, with that, we're gonna, we're gonna get going. I have had an entire bottle of wine you may have noticed by now, but we're gonna roll out. For all of us at the Undroppables, uh, you know, which we're, we're rocking it right now, you guys have to check it out. Um, the website is absolutely killing it. Um, you know Our offensive line rankings are like you know, the number one search on Google when you search offensive line. Brad Wire is absolutely dominating. We've got a bunch of podcasts going. The site is absolutely out on fire. We, uh, we're making friends all over the world. We love you. Thank you so much. On behalf of the Undrafted, on behalf of my new producer Michael, who's absolutely awesome, uh, we'll start making fun of him very, very quickly. But first, I want to let him get a, 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 you know, his first uh, podcast done. But on behalf of Michael, everybody at the Undrafted, thank you so much. Peace.